Hey everyone, good morning and welcome to the Unshakable Podcast, an extension of Unshakable Ministries. Our goal here with this podcast is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live a life in the likeness of Christ. It is a beautiful Monday morning here, July the 13th, 2020. I hope everyone had an awesome weekend. I know that I did. It was a great weekend, was able to go home. Friday evening after work, get all of my yard work done. So my weekend was filled with doing whatever I wanted to do rather than what I had to do. I know those weekends are great and I just enjoy those weekends so much because it allows me to get up on Saturday morning, just relax and spend some time with my family on the couch while we watch nursery rhymes uh, for the two girls and just eat breakfast together and all of those things. Just it's just great to be able to do that on the weekends. I know so many times we put off during the week what we need to do and of course the weekends are filled with all of these tasks and things that we have to do. But it's nice to be able to go into a weekend knowing that hey, I can just sit back, relax and do whatever I want to do. I just wanna thank you guys for tuning back in and just being a part of what we are doing here. And want to remind you guys how you can find us on social media. You can go to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast to find us there. On Twitter, our username is at unshakable underscore one. On Instagram, you can find us. Our username is unshakable underscore podcast. I also want to remind you guys how to become a part of the Unshakable Nation. First and foremost, you can go over to our website, unshakableministries.com. There you're going to find some video resources, our blog. You will find our About Us page where that also includes our statement of faith as well as our mission statement. Also on our website, if you feel like God lays on your heart and you want to be able to support this podcast and Unshakable Ministries financially, you can look on our apparel store and we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, bags with many different designs where you can pick up whatever your heart desires, put something tangible in your hands to help us spread the message of the love of Christ by picking up something there. All of those proceeds go to help support the production of this podcast as well as other ministry opportunities God lays before us. Another way you can financially support us is to go over to Amazon Books and search Rooted, the Unshakable Christian. And there you can pick up your copy of the book in Kindle format, or paperback. By the way, I haven't mentioned this yet. If you have Kindle Unlimited, the book is available for free to download. So you can also get it that way as well. But again, these proceeds go to help support the production of this podcast and other ministry opportunities. As always, the most important way you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation is to continue to lift us up in your prayer time, that God will continue to use this podcast for His glory, for His good, and for the edification of the body of Christ. If you have feedback, questions, comments, topics, anything like that, please feel free to email sam at unshakableministries.com. That is sam at unshakableministries.com. And I would love to hear your feedback and to be able to interact with you guys as the audience. So guys, this morning we are going to continue our series in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And... Remembering that this is Jesus' first public ministry opportunity where he stands and speaks to the masses and what great truths that he begins to share. It's amazing that Jesus 
when he goes into the Sermon on the Mount, he dives right into the meat of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. He's not really spending much time on the milk or uh, what I would say catering to a specific crowd of people or anything. He is literally diving right in, laying a foundation and saying, this is what the life of a Christ follower looks like. And I absolutely love that because I feel like that is one thing that we need to do in the body of Christ is we need to remember that though the truth may hurt, it is still the truth. It is no less the truth, even though it may hurt. Or, and what I mean by hurt is even though it may step on your toes and it may challenge you, it is no less the truth. And the last thing that any of us enjoy is to be challenged in the way that we think and the way that we act and the things that we do. But that is exactly what Christ dives into doing right here. So today in our series, in our message, what we're going to talk about is disciplining ourselves to overcome anger. And Because as, as I said in, a, in the previous episode, we are called to emulate Christ. We're called to have the same mind as Christ and to make everything in our lives obedient to Christ. So just a quick re- review on the questions that I asked in Friday's episode. And Friday's episode was titled, Why the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to go back and listen to that again. But here are the questions I asked. And these are the questions that I want us to ask ourselves as we continue to go through what Christ is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and in the the Gospel of Matthew. These are questions I want us to continue to ask to challenge ourselves to become more like Christ. Question one is, when will professing Christians actually start following Christ? Number two, when will we trade the comforts of this world for eternal comfort? Number three, when will we understand that we have no moral or political obligations to the kingdoms or things of this world? Number four, when will we begin to love our neighbor and stop calling them idiots, morons, and the like, insulting the image of God? Number five, when will we fully embrace the teachings of Christ? And number six, when will we cast out all fear and doubt and fully trust Christ? And the example I gave there was Peter. As he stepped out of the boat, his eyes were fixed on Christ. He was confident and he stood on top of the water. And the second he looked away from Christ, he lost focus and he began to sink. So the challenge is for us to set our eyes on Christ to make Him our focus in everything that we do. So let's dive right in this morning to Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21, reading through verse 26. This is what it says. It says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and if anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge And the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. 
Now, the word, I, there's a few words that I want to look at here, but the word specifically that I want to look at is when Christ says, if anyone is angry with his brother, that word anger right there means rage or wrath. The word used here is akin to hatred. That it is compared to hatred. So anyone who hates his brother. And the reason I want to point that out is because I want to look at some other verses this morning that will also carry anger in those verses and to look at the difference between these two words. But the word angry that Jesus is using here is akin to hatred or rage or wrath. And I want to give you a clear picture of what that looks like when you look at Genesis chapter 4 verses 5 through 8. And just to set these up, this is the story of Cain and Abel. And this is where Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Reading from verse 5, it says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So I think specifically right here, what we see is this word anger, rage, wrath, akin to hatred and what that looks like. So what God goes to Cain and tells him is, listen, if you do what is right, you're going to be accepted. But if you don't, listen, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. We are going to, in our lives, I'm sorry, you, you've probably already gone through it, but guaranteed you're going to go through it again. There are going to be times in our lives where someone does something and our immediate reaction is rage. It is this wrath. Like there's this inward hatred that we feel. I felt it in my life. But what God is telling Cain right there is that we have to master that. Because sin is crouching at our door. And what you see happen here is it's that festering on things that happen. Instead of being able to do what Christ did, which we're going to get into in just a minute, we, we don't master it. We fester in that anger and it creates that rage and that hatred for our fellow man. Now, I will tell you that over in Matthew chapter 5, when he uses the word brother right there, it is referring to brethren, right? Members of the same family or group. It is referring to brethren right there. And what he is telling us is that when it comes down to it, brothers are going to do things that are not going to make us happy. Brothers and sisters, they're going to say things, they're going to do things that are not going to make us happy. They're actually going to make us angry. They're going to... Make us feel this emotion, but God is telling us to master that, to subdue that. And as you guys have heard me say in multiple episodes now, is we have to take every thought captive and force it into the obedience of Christ. So in that moment of emotion, when someone does something, we have grown into this culture where we immediately respond, and typically we respond 
in anger, in rage. And it's with words that are hurtful. We, we want to cut long and deep with our words. And that is a defense mechanism that we have built up in ourselves, but God is telling us to master that, to learn how to swallow that. And then if you look over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verses 26 and 31, 26 says this, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. As we were just talking about that festering that goes on, now Paul is pointing out in your anger. So there is this anger that we are going to feel in certain situations, but Paul is instructing us, do not sin in that anger. And the best way to avoid sin in that anger is to do not let the sun go down on your anger. It is to come to a quick resolution when you are offended or when you offend a brother. There's this arrogance that comes about, this defensiveness that comes about in our anger. We want to feel like we are right. And when we, when we start feeling this way, we tend to justify our actions. We're unwilling to apologize for things that we did or said and unwilling to ask for forgiveness because we want to be right. But I want to take you back to how Jesus started this sermon with the Beatitudes and the foundation that Christ was laying with the Beatitudes. And to be clear with this, it was remember, it was blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who remember where they came from, who have an honest outlook on their reflection, that they too are sinners saved by grace, that they too, apart from Christ, are nothing, that they should be humble, that they should mourn their sin. They should not justify their sin. They should mourn their sin. So if they wrong a brother, even if they don't know they wronged a brother, if they know that there is conflict and there's an issue, that is the whole message there that it says, leave your gift at the altar. Go make it right with your brother. Mourn that loss. Because when, when we are not unified with our brothers, with our family, then we need to do whatever it takes to make it right. And that requires meekness. Remember, we talk about that being mild and gentle, being humble. That horse that is broken so we need to be willing to go before our brother to recognize who we are. To be humble, to be able to apologize. If we have done something wrong or to offend our brother, go to him, talk to them, resolve it. For this is righteousness and this is what we are to hunger and thirst after is righteousness. And then when he says that we are to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be peacemakers. You see, it brings a whole different perspective to this. And I will tell you, there are some tra translations here, and this is what has to be understood in conjunction with in Ephesians when it says, in your anger. And then it says right here, Jesus is saying, but whoever is angry with his brother, some translations say whoever is angry with his brother without cause. So to bring a good proper context to that is to remember that sometimes people are going to do things that are wrong that are going to make us angry. And Paul is saying, do not sin in that anger. Go to the brother, resolve the issue with the brother or sister. 
Then Paul goes on in verse 31 there in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So when we're looking at what Jesus is teaching right here, we need to go back through and run it through the filter of the Beatitudes to look and see what that looks like in our life. So how do we apply it to our lives? Go to the Beatitudes. Remember, it was that foundation. It was laying this foundation, this staircase of progression in the life of a Christ follower. And that eventually we should be able to master our anger, master sin in our lives. Does that mean that we're going to be perfect? No, and I don't want us to misunderstand that. But it's to understand it is the progressive cycle of maturity in the life of a Christ follower of learning how to master and overcome these things in our lives. And then in Colossians 3.8, Paul also says this, but now you must rid yourself of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. When we become a Christ follower, we become a new creation. It is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. We have to remember that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit that were purchased at a price, and that price was the blood of Christ. We now belong to Him and have an obligation to Him. And in that obligation, we have to rid ourselves of these things. But what's very interesting, he says right here, he says, if anyone says to his brother, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. You fool, meaning idiot, moron, empty-headed. Because this is a form of malice and slander. When we are calling our brothers, or let's just say anyone, we're talking about the image of God. In in human form, God created us all in His image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is the one who knit all human beings together in the mother's womb. And here we are slandering them by calling them, you fool, you idiot, you moron. And this is a form of slander and malice and filthy language. And I know it sounds crazy, that we grew up in a culture that that's what we do. We, you know, I remember as a child growing up that mine and my brother's things were calling each other dummy. You dummy. And I can remember my mother getting so angry over that, that we would call each other dummy. We were saying, you fool. You're an idiot. You're a moron. You're empty-headed and slandering one another. And we, as Christ followers, have to learn how to harness this, to overcome it, to subdue it and control it. To understand that when we speak these things over someone, we are not showing the love of Christ. And it doesn't matter whether they know you're saying it or not. The fact is, you said it. And God is the ultimate audience of everything we say. James 1, 19 through 20 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. Why? Because man's anger, what Paul goes on to say, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. 
We are incapable of being able to bring about the righteous life that God desires in our anger. When we're wronged, we want to immediately tell people how they did us wrong. And it, it many times does not bring about a resolution. But when we go to that brother or sister and we sit down with them, and we sit down with them in humility, with mercy, in meekness, in forgiveness, this is the righteousness that God desires to see from us. That we hold, do not hold this against them. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves, and then in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, love keeps no record of wrong. This is not just about relational love. This is about love in general. And we are called to love everyone as ourselves. And love keeps no record of wrongs. That is where the mercy and the forgiveness comes in. Christ exemplified this in His life. Christ had many opportunities to be angry. The soldiers come to the garden to arrest Him. He could have been angry. He wasn't. He was merciful. Christ was beaten, tortured, spit on, nailed to a cross. And He could have been angry, but He wasn't. He was merciful. As He said on the cross, from the cross, about the crowds, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When will we get this mind about us that we will forgive and have mercy just as Christ has forgiven us and had mercy on us? And then this next part says to settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way. 1 Corinthians 6, 1-7 through gives us a clear picture of this. Paul is talking about this. And what he is saying in those verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you have disputes, they should be resolved. Disputes should be resolved. But they should only be resolved under godly counsel, not by dragging each other into the courts of the ungodly. We should never be filing lawsuits against our brothers dragging them into court. We should be looking for peaceful resolutions under godly counsel. Sometimes two brothers or two sisters or a brother and a sister may not be able to resolve it on their own, but if they are both willing, they can find godly counsel. They can go before that godly counsel who has an unbiased outlook and they can sit and they can work these things out, work through these things. So don't be enraged against your brother or feel this hatred as we see in the story of Cain and Abel where God told him, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. But you must master it. So the challenge is this. We have to learn to deal with our fellow man just as Christ. So today... I challenge you to be willing to stop and pray, not to be overcome with anger, and to forgive those you might be in conflict with. Always remember, the battle we are fighting is not against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle. Forgiveness is the way Christ taught us. Father, today we are so thankful for another day, another opportunity to be able to live 
for you, to glorify you, to lift your name on high, to be a light in a dark world. Father, we pray that you work in us, that you convict us, you challenge us. That, Father, when we are in conflict with someone, God, that we would forgive, we would be merciful, we would be humble, and we would seek a peaceful and a quick resolution to the issue. Father, we know that you can work inside of our imperfections to help bring about peaceful resolutions. And God, we desire in all of our lives to glorify you, to honor you with everything that we say and do. And we pray that you help us to put off all of malice and slander, to not call someone you fool, you idiot, you moron. But God, that we would see all humans as humans who were created perfectly in your image. God, we pray that you would teach us not to drag each other into court. But God, that we would find godly counsel that would help us come to an end of our conflict and that we would continue to love each other, that we would keep no record of wrong. But God, in loving our fellow man, that it would give opportunity for them to be introduced to Christ. We thank you for these words and pray that you Apply these to our lives. Teach us how to get up every day and be who you've called us to be. And in doing so, we would become unshakable. In Christ's name, amen. Hey guys, I love you. I hope you have a fantastic day. And until next time, remain unshakable.